You're listening to The Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is by Pastor Dean Bernke. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The base for our sermon today is from Luke 16, particularly the first nine verses. Jesus also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I decide what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write fifty. 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, for the sons of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of righteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Please be seated. You know, you can't trust false gods. And money is a false god. Now the thing about money is, it doesn't care about you. It certainly doesn't love you. And it will leave you. That's what happens in this story, this parable I read just a few seconds ago. You see, everything the steward had been lying awake at night, afraid would happen, happens. And so his money abandons him. Now he's left to figure out something different which to put his trust. So what will that be? There was a rich man who had a manager in charge of brought against him that the man was wasting his possessions. He called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you no longer can be manager. The manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and ashamed to beg. Now this manager, this steward, is desperate. He's stuck. That's why Jesus includes the words, I can't dig, I can't beg. To use contemporary language, he has what is called a come-to-Jesus moment. It's that cross in his life which lays everything bare and causes you to confess. That moment when you have to be honest with yourself, honest about your situation, and try to find some way just to make it through. For this man, his ship is sinking. He doesn't have a lifeboat. Everything he had worked so hard for a lifetime's work of careful effort and careful plan, even if it was crooked, and he's crooked, 
was gone. If you hadn't been, haven't been in his shoes, I trust you understand that you could be at, could be that at this time, say, tomorrow. Or next year at this time. And so the steward has been fired. From this point on, he's no longer legally authorized to conduct any business in the name of his master. And if he does, it's not going to be legally binding. But notice in that story, the master does not throw him into jail. He certainly could have done so, but he didn't. He lets that steward go home, get the books, and then bring them back to him. And so the steward uses this very, very short amount, small amount of time to take advantage of his master's reputation for being generous. Now, he probably could have tried a number of things, but he doesn't do them. Instead, he figures that his best shot at survival is to bank on his master's reputation for being exceedingly generous. He had been trusting in his money, master's money, but now that's gone. And now he begins to trust in the thing he should have trusted in all along, his master's generosity. And so he quickly calls each of his master's clients. But here's the key. You see, the steward is fired, and he knows that, of course. And the master knows it. But no one else does. The clients, they don't know it. So one at a time, the steward calls in the clients, and here's what he does. He said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and write 50. And then he said to another, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. So he cancels here about 18 months' wages with each account. But did you notice in the story that he has them change the account. It happens in their handwriting and not his. And it's an important detail because the next thing the steward will do is take these change contracts back to the master. And when he places them on the master's desk, the master slowly realizes two things. Number one, the debt has been lowered. And second, the debtors know about it because it's in their handwriting. For you see, if it had been in the steward's handwriting, the master could just change them all back. There wouldn't be any harm, no harm, no foul, as we say. And no one would have known. But now the master sits back in his chair and he can hear the, the sound of a celebration party thrown in his honor, in honor of the most generous landowner the county has ever known. They've already begun to post Facebook updates about how good and kind their landlord is. After all, these client, <coughs> clients assume that the steward did what the master had asked him to do. 
Now, what would a normal landlord do? Well, of course, he'd walk into that party and announce, all right, turn off the music, party's over. Everything that happened today was illegal. I didn't authorize this. This man is a crook. And so I'll be expecting your regular payments at the beginning of the month. Yeah, that's what an ordinary creditor would do. And I'm guessing that's what you would do or I would do. And if that's what he did, then the steward's plan would collapse like a house of cards. But he doesn't do it. Not this master. Because this master has a reputation for being generous. Because he is generous. And he looks up at his former steward and says, well played. You knew me, didn't you? You knew that I would let this stand. You're a crook and a scoundrel, but you're smart. The text says, the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. He commended him not for his character or not for his ethics, because of his shrewdness. You see, he knew that when his ship was sinking, which way to jump, rather. Now, does this help him? Well, he used the master's generosity to make lots of new friends. As the saying goes, it's not what you know, it's who you know. The moral of the story, make friends for yourself with unrighteous money so that when it fails, when your money fails, and it will, it will receive you into the eternal dwellings. Now, you've all got money. Some of you may have significant amounts. Or you may or may not have much left. But use the money, Jesus says, to get people into heaven. That there will be people in heaven who will be there to welcome you and thank you because God used your offering to get them there. He made it so that your money would have eternal returns. God has made it so your money could be a false god to you and probably is. But he made it so that your money can be used for eternal purposes. So, for whatever else you use your money, this parable teaches you that you have a Christian responsibility to support shrewdly and enthusiastically the preaching of the gospel. But there's a backstory here, as you can see. It's not as though you labor under a master who's hard and cruel, but you label, labor under one who's unusually jealous. And whether you're, you've been faithful in the use of your money or been less than faithful, you've squandered it or wasted it, been selfish or greedy, your master is still good. And in your case, he loves you and sees you through. You have friends in heaven 
You yourself will be in heaven. You'll be saved because of the generosity of your master. This is Jesus Christ, your master. He loves you. He forgives you. He gives you more than just earthly wealth and goods. He gives you his body and blood on the cross to save you. And to think, <clears throat> this is for free. You don't have to do a thing. You don't have to make payments. You don't have to make up for your sins. You don't have to try to impress others. You don't have to do anything. He's done it for you. You don't even have to be wise. You just need to know which way to jump when your ship is sinking. You jump and you let the grace of God and Jesus Christ catch you. So then if you're stuck and you don't know what to do or where to go, if you're not strong enough to dig and you're too ashamed to beg, don't defend yourself. Don't try to get out of this on your own. If your ship is sinking and you don't know which way to jump or what to grab hold of or jump on, grab hold of the generosity of the Father in heaven. For you see, truly shrewd stewards are Christians who trust in the generosity of the Lord. Put your eggs in that basket. Plead the mercy of God in Christ Jesus, his death and his resurrection, and it's yours. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was filled with joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word. If you have questions or would like more information about Hope Lutheran Church, please visit our website at www.hopeaurora.org. Send an email to office at hopeaurora.org or call us at 303-364-7416. This has been The Word of Hope.